Hello and welcome to the Speak Easily podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jay, and I want to thank you for being here for the inaugural episode. On today's show, I have a very special guest who is near and dear to me. I've known her since our days as youngsters folding clothes in the pack sun of our local mall. Who would have known back then that she would eventually meet my brother, become my sister-in-law, and bless me with my beautiful niece and nephew? Shay is a full-time homemaker who, while raising two kids, was able to earn her bachelor's degree by balancing her time and putting in the hard work. Through the years, Shay and I have been through a lot together. The highs and lows that life sends your way can be pretty challenging. But having a good friend and a loyal family member by your side makes the journey a lot easier. Which is exactly why I thought it was so important to have her on the show. Today we will be discussing our new normal in a world affected by COVID-19 and an amazing project she has found herself in the heart of. She has always had a way of bringing some clarity to a complicated situation and leaving me feel more intact than when she found me. With everything going on in the world right now, I hope this conversation has the same effect for you. In these crazy times, it's important to remember that it's okay to lean on the people you love. So crack a cold one and let's dive in. Please note, this podcast was recorded remotely using the Anchor app in order to practice social distancing. Hey there, Shay. Hey, Steven. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to do this with uh, me today. I appreciate it. Well, sure. I'm excited. Me too. I, uh, I'm just with talking to you over the course of everything going on. I've just really felt like you had a very interesting perspective on all of this. So I, you know, I look forward to you being able to share, share that with, uh, with the audience here. Um, well, first of all, let me start off by saying how, like, I mean, I missed you guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is so weird. I mean, I haven't seen those kids in, in so long and Mike and you, it just feels like, I don't know, like Easter wasn't the same. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. It's been rough. I've, uh, I don't know. I've been missing everyone, but at the same time, it's like, I feel guilty because I feel calmer than normal because there's less to rush out the door for, but I just like, you know, I, I cried in the grocery store the other day because (laughs) this is before Easter. I was picking out Easter candy and I got my dad's favorite Easter candy and I cried while I was holding it because I realized that I wasn't going to give it to him. And it's just like, like I cried into my face mask. (laughs) (laughs) There's just like tiny little micro emotions that happen that are just, I don't know, hard to sort through in the moment. And it's almost like, it makes me think of that, like, I think so many people are in, it's like a fight or flight. And so many people are in fight mode that it's. It, it like you said, it kind of comes in waves where you'll be fine, you'll be going about it, and then something will will come up or a memory or something will happen, and it's like you kind of step back into the reality of what you know we're facing. Yeah, like it snaps you, like like you you keep switching between big pe- or a big picture and uh, you know like the short term, and it's just it's this constant battle back and forth between the two, and it's 
it's kind of like grief in that way where like a memory will rise up and it'll just get you and you can't really like get a handle on yourself and you just have to sort of let the emotion rock through you and then take a deep breath and get back to normal life. And it's, it's very much similar to that. I don't know. I don't remember what program I was watching, but it's funny you make that comparison because they had an expert on and they were making, they were drawing a very similar comparison that it's almost grieving the loss of normalcy. Yeah. Like what we perceived as normal then compared to now. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a, a TikTok about, um, somebody like people keep posting old videos from different times that you know they just didn't post before this and one of them was uh they were going through this crowded subway station and somebody um like a busker was playing wonderwall and everybody in the subway station was singing it and laughing and like you know sort of like hitting up against each other and just carefree and it's like when's that gonna happen again you know like when are we just not gonna think about being in a crowd again or not have any fear gathering together and I don't know the answer to that question and it kind of scares me a little bit to think about how different things are now and how they're going to stay different for a long time yeah I I don't know if you saw to but uh Governor Wolf actually released his three-stage color-coded system and when I was reviewing and I mean you know I will I'll leave politics out of it, but just the the <laughs> the realization that you know, even when we make it to next level from where we're at right now, that's still not anything resembling what normal was, and that's going to be for a while. And then get to that green phase, it kind of made me realize we're we're not out of the woods. And again, one of those moments where the time vision becomes like big picture. Mm-hmm. It's like you see that and you think, you know, think what are our kids' lives going to be like whenever they they grow up and, you know, they live in this this weird altered world. And people keep comparing things to the uh, the Spanish influenza outbreak in, in the 19, uh, 1918, 19, early 1900s. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a historian, but... Uh, <laughs> But they keep comparing it to the Spanish flu, but this is much worse. And I think it's, um, it's, it's going to change the way that we, we see the way that illness can affect us because uh, just, I mean, you know, usually whenever there's some sort of outbreak, it's always, you know, third world countries. And that's where we think it's going to stop because nothing Mm -hmm. could ever hit us you know like we're above it almost like we're we're too clean to have something like that happen to us but here we are with this respiratory illness and it's like I don't know it's it brings it home how human we all are and how equal we truly all are because I mean it doesn't matter how much money you have if you're going to die from this you're going to die from it that's just the way that it is yeah and the the fact of, you know, I, I guess I never even took stock in people that I know and, and age really was not a factor here. People I know with pre-existing conditions, when I actually sat back and took stock on how many people that is, mm-hmm. you know, it, I realized how many I didn't think about um, that are, you know, of any age range that are high risk. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was one of those things where you don't think about it until you have to think about it. And that's kind of. I guess what scared me, I, I know 
I, it was very odd. My uh, YouTube rec- recommendations, I don't know if you've read this anywhere, but YouTube's recommendations lately have been a little bit ominous. I uh, One popped up today discussing how uh, like a national blackout was something to be aware of, that it could potentially happen. And it was from a, the TED Talk was from about three years ago. And one of the opening lines, he's listing all of the things that people casually think could maybe happen. And he actually said uh, in the first few opening minutes that, like, for example, a global pandemic. And he said, you know, very low risk, very low probability. And it was very odd to see that because, you know, here we are in the middle of it. And he, you know, it was just yeah, odd to think about how, you know, we we would see it in movies and television. And now it's it's actually a reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really strange to be living in it. I had a conversation with my grandma at the very beginning of this and um, I actually called her uh, because we, she's, uh, I don't know if I can say seamstress. A lot of people, crafters, sewists don't like that term because it sort of indicates that you only sew uh, clothing, but she's a, she's a sewist and um, she, you know, she's the kind of person I reach out to. She's sort of my mentor about uh, things like that. So I called her and asked her for help um, with our sewing project. But um, in the course of our conversation, I asked her flat out, Grandma, have you ever seen anything like this? Like, is anything is anything comparable to it in your, your experiences? And she said, no, um, I've never been ordered to stay home. Nothing like this has ever happened. And this is a woman, you know, who's seen some things. She's got a long life and uh, you know, she's not the type that scares easily. She's not the type that gets, you know, worked up over, uh, shock jocks or what's that called? Uh, like a, a political pundits. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what's the new, I can't um, think of the term. I, I know what you're trying to say too. Oh, scare tactic news. Yeah. But she doesn't get worked up over things like that. So, um, the fact that she was, a little bit fearful. I mean, she was very calm and rational about it, but um, I could just hear in her voice that she knew that this was more serious than a lot of other people were. They People at that time weren't really lending a lot of credence to it. Because mm-hmm. um, it was very early on. It was before any stay-at-home orders had been issued, really in money states. I mean, I think maybe New York had one, but that was it on the West Coast, or East Coast, but on the West Coast, I know. Uh, California had started in some counties and um, Washington state obviously was locked down, but um, it was just like, people were still saying, you know, Oh, it's not that bad or it's an overreaction or it can't make it here. And, you know, just still trying to cling to hope that it wasn't as bad as everyone was trying to say, but she, she sort of cottoned on early and realized that it was. And I trusted her experience more than I trusted what people my own age were saying. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, when you like you touched on, well, first of all, I'm glad you said about the sewist. I didn't realize that that's actually the proper term. I've learned something new there. Well, I don't know if it's the proper term. It's just the term that we've sort of collectively taken on. <laughs> <laughs> she does, she does, uh, home decor projects and things like that. Uh, and she'll do small alterations to clothes, but she doesn't make full clothes. So, yeah. Interesting. And she quilts. She's a big quilter. Hmm. That's like a, 
Uh, fading talent. I that's pretty incredible. Yeah, she's made me some beautiful things. Huh. Um, the one thing that you touched on though is like you know obviously with the longevity of her life, thank God. But she's seen so much, and that feeling of seeing people like that in our lives that are you know genuinely scared or even just cautiously optimistic. People I expected to be big down players so to say Mm -hmm. have been the most proactive people and it's been a very shocking reality exactly it almost like makes it hit home faster when you see these people behaving the way they are um because you're thinking they're going to be the guys tearing people's face masks off at walmart (laughs) (laughs) they end up being the ones who are you know more grave and more um calmly worried and yeah Anytime someone's calmly worried, it makes me a lot more worried <laughs> because I realize that they're not panicking, that they're, they're, they have long sight and they're seeing something down the road that, you know, that you're fearing, but you don't want to believe could be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's almost more unsettling because of their, their experience and and mm-hmm. like you said they're seeing something more than the the what the media tells you or what some stranger on facebook tells you i'll tell you what facebook has become <laughs> a very very toxic place to be right now i don't know about you i know in the beginning you know with the project that you're working on with uh, uh the masks i know you had used facebook for promotion of that which was awesome have you <laughs> used it much for social interaction? No, not at all. Not. <laughs> I, I go on every once in a while. I went on for Easter. I did a, a Facebook Live of our um, our Easter egg hunt. And that was oh. really great because the grandmas got to see it and all the aunts and uncles. And um, But that's really all I've used it for since this happened. Because every time I log on, even just to check comments on, uh, like like you said, my uh, my posts about making face masks and trying to like rally support and rally other people to make them. Uh, it's like, I have to dodge bullets of all these crazy <laughs> conspiracy theories and uh, all kinds of just insane people and their crazy logic that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. That, that world that people live in is something else. I don't know. <laughs> It's amazing. I just, I love the one thing that I have noticed, which I, similar to you, I, uh, as the former Easter bunny at one of my <laughs> previous employees, employers that you're aware of, I, I did a, a quick throwback to that and just, you know, kind of gave CDC based guidelines, you know, not, <laughs> not Stephen, Stephen Jay's point of view on what you should do um, as a little bit of a funny joke. And I was realizing that people that were doing throwback photos were actually having to, in the comments or in the captions, designate that group photos of previous years were from previous years because the Facebook police yeah. were pounding them in the comments of their own like family photos. And I was like, yeah, th- I'm going to. I'm going to check out for a little bit here. I'm, I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> time to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> this is not the place for me to be. <laughs> I have to share with you one sad story that like, not sad, but like one of my little emotional breaks that I didn't expect to see, you know, happen. I know you've, you know, you've been to the apartment, but I don't think you have met my landlord at this point, but I don't think so. Uh, 
she's you know the the salt of the earth uh we were actually friends before i even moved in here i met her through a, a very very good friend of mine whenever they actually took over the restaurant my apartment's above and uh later on the apartment became available but i always pay rent to her on like the 30th 31st what have you and i realized that she just whenever you walk in i, I would walk in she would just light up ear to ear hi honey how was your day and the smile that this woman has is so from the heart and like such a one of those ones that like you see it and even if you had the worst day ever you know you're you're affected and you're positively your mood is positively changed yeah it's i really i realized that the next time i go to see her to pay rent she's going to be wearing a face mask Hmm. and i don't know why that was such a weird thought for me but I just like it was one of those things that kind of just hit different, I guess. Yeah. If on the the subject of silver linings, I know I myself, you know, have taken kind of a perspective as far as you know overworking and family time, and I hope that perhaps this does have some sort of positive ramification where people realize that you know maybe they don't have to do the sixty-five hour work week. Maybe they can do the 55 hour work week sure. when when things are of course back to normal but well when you put the rat race on pause it's like you you have time to pick your head up and look around and, and sort of view the world for what it is and and think about what you actually want out of it like is life just a one-week vacation in the summer is that what you're striving for or do you really just need that expensive car so you need a better job is that really what makes you happy and you know I've seen a lot of videos that people post about not going back to work after this and looking for something different and realizing how much happier they are because they don't have to report to that toxic job that they had or whatever it was and I just really hope that that's an attitude that we all carry you know what what do I want to be doing what what kind of work do I want to engage in and will this make me happy in the long run and I think the answer to a lot of that is no. And I think a lot of people are realizing that. I I think you're 100% right. I mean, the like the vacations, the cars, those are all forms of escapism. Exactly. And I think people right now are asking themselves, because in a sense, this is a life-threatening situation. Why have I been living my life trying to escape my life? Yeah. And I think that this is going to be a mentality changer, a game changer. Absolutely. And if you're not feeling like that at this point, if you're not feeling like, you know, I, I genuinely like the people I work with or I like the work I do or I like the boss that I work for or whatever it is that makes you want to get back to work, should you go back? You yeah. know, should you, <laughs> should you yeah. be going down that road? I don't know. I, I completely agree, especially on the work front. I mean, I think that this is everybody needs to take stock on how your company and employer has behaved during this. Yeah. And definitely. I like for me, I have to be very honest. I have been beyond impressed with my company. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm they're going to remain nameless, but Governor Wolf released the you know, the slowing back process, like we said earlier. Mm -hmm. And 
we already have one section of our counter. We're, we're still closed to the public with the uh, curbside pickup and delivery to job sites. Mm-hmm. We already have basically same day we have half of the counter already plexiglassed off. The other half will be installed on Monday because they're already anticipating. They don't know when we'll be open to the public, but, and it wasn't just my location. Uh, A store about 30 miles from me already is done. Like they're, they're very proactive and I have to say I was already happy, but it's, it's a good feeling when you know that you're, your, your, your safety is valued. Yeah, absolutely. Mo is uh, still working from home right now, and he's um, he he has a a management role in a in a larger company. And their attitude through all of this has been, how do we keep our employees safe? Because we we do essential work, but what part of our business is essential and what isn't? And how do we keep people working so they have a paycheck, but also keep them safe? as safe as possible and as far away from each other as we possibly can. And that's always been their goal. And I think they've done a great job. I think they've figured out a lot of workarounds that are, are wonderful, but you know, he's grinding away downstairs. I don't think he's ever worked this many hours of actual productive work in a day. I mean, he doesn't have a commute right now, which is wonderful, Mm -hmm. but he works all day long, just marathon meetings, marathon conference calls or Zoom meetings or whatever it is he's doing because they're trying to figure out new policies to put into place because they just want to make sure. I do say that there's going to be a few companies that are going to definitely stand out among others. And it's very interesting to see companies that are stepping up and branding themselves um, in such a responsible way. I don't know. I, I meant to link you this article, but did you see in Chicago, there is a pizza shop that actually turned part of their kitchen area into uh, making face shields? No. I oh. I want to say that the names, I want to say it's Dino's or something to that effect. I'll have to link, send you that article, but they operate for to-go takeout business. Normal, you know, like stay at home order kind of situation. Sure. They make masks throughout the day. They make about, I want to say a thousand, a, a thousand a week wow. they can do. And they also, their GoFundMe not only goes to get materials for the masks, but it goes to um, donations to donate food to frontline workers at the hospitals. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're pretty incredible. I, yeah. I I will never cease to be impressed by the things that people do for each other right now. I, I mean, we, uh, we're millennials, so we lived through nine 11 and mm-hmm. we watched our country sort of like knit itself together after that happened. And we all pulled tight and, you know, you couldn't buy an American flag for months after that. And it was just a very, you know, United States sort of feeling, but through mm-hmm. this, it's like, it's a global feeling because it's a global pandemic. And um, it just feels like everyone's sort of in the same boat and we're all sort of scared of the same things, but um, there's this underlying sense of humor about it that I think is just really, it's such a great commentary on the human condition. The fact that we're still laughing and we're still like, you know, making fun of ourselves and, and trying to figure out how to do this in the, 
in the best way, you know, and I don't know. I just lost my train of thought. What the hell was I talking about? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) But like you said, we're still finding the humor, (laughs) even in ourselves. tell the difference now based on the the employees uh attitudes toward the changes that they've had to undergo mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very obvious Absolutely. what kind of employer you had yes. <laughs> yeah i don't know you create the culture that you work in and it it really does trickle down for management and it's important that you know people feel valued and they feel like even though they still have to report to work every day they're being kept as safe as they possibly can be yeah yeah it's it's funny because it's like one of those things that just until now you never really would pay any mind to and now that it's here and looking you in the face you realize hey i mean if if they're not treating me right if they don't value me if they don't value my safety you know, why am I here? And that's what you need to be asking yourself because no, again, nobody should be living their life. If there's one thing this has taught us, nobody should be living their lives. So unhappily, if you want to say, or mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just, my heart does break for some of those people that have not been put in the safest of, cause I've seen it. I mean, around town, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, obviously no names but i've seen people that are either going along with their employer as far as not taking anything seriously not even a cautiousness to them to the whole extreme of you know being complete deniers of the the virus and that i see i feel like that can trickle down from your management Mm -hmm. you know the way that your company is dealing with it if they're acting like it's not a big deal why would you act like it was Mm mm-hmm you know, it's almost like a parent-child relationship with that because you take cues from the people who are supposed to be looking out for your best interest. And I, I can see that sort of manifesting itself. I can see people rolling their eyes about it and, you know, acting like it's not that big of a deal still. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here we are. It's more like a month and a half in. Yeah. We should all know that this is a big deal by now. <laughs> but some people still are just absolutely denying that fact. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my sister's employer. So my sister is a nurse. Mm-hmm. Actually, my mother and my sister are both registered nurses. Um, my sister's employer, she does not work for a hospital, but they, uh, they have been, I don't know what the word is. It's sort of like most medical facilities at this time, even hospitals are just sort of like, Welp, we don't we don't really have anything to help you, so figure it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, the like the lack of PPE or yes, yeah, the lack of PPE, also the lack of policies that actually keep medical workers safe. It's like they don't. It's almost like they realize that their their staff is going to get sick, and they're just sort of shrugging their shoulders about it. And that's infuriating to me because these are the people that we need to keep healthy because they're the people who are going to save our behinds mm-hmm. whenever we get, you know, whenever we do get sick and we end up in the ICU and we need breathing treatments and ventilators and whatever it is uh, that gets us through this. But it's like 
the attitude that I feel is, and I mean, I follow a lot of uh, social media pages for nurses because of her, because, you know, she'll send us uh, funny memes and different things like that from some of them. And sometimes they're private accounts, so I'll follow them so I can see them. Mm-hmm. And the general attitude for from nurses has just been, you know, like their safety standards are laughable at this point. The things that they are doing now, if they had done them three months ago, they would have been fired. Like there, there are so many safety precautions that are just not being followed anymore that they just, they, they honestly don't have the, the capacity to do things as safely as they should be doing them. And there's a lot of fear uh, on, on my part, because I see this from the inside. I see the way that the nurses are reacting to this uh, and it makes me scared for anybody who does end up in a hospital because they're not as safe as we would wish them to be. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to keep the nurses safe and I want to keep the patients safe. And I know that's everybody's priority and the CDC. Uh, it's when they came out with this, regulation or uh, guideline mm-hmm. when the CDC issued this guideline that if you don't have any other PPE or you run out of masks at your hospital or your medical facility, wear a bandana or a headscarf. That to me just struck me right in the heart because all I can think of is my sister going to work in a bandana in the middle of a global pandemic, yeah. a, a respiratory pandemic. And this was before we really knew that it was water droplet, uh, uh, transferred um, like you know you have to touch a water droplet and, and then it has to get into your body somehow like at this point we all thought it was respiratory like someone you know like breathes in the room and then you can get it from them breathing there like mm-hmm. uh, it's just like you, the the level of fear at that time was so much higher because we just really didn't know the nature of the virus and how it really was spread and I mean can you can you catch it from someone coughing in your face absolutely absolutely yeah. yes but it's not uh it's not as scary as you know someone breathing out air and then you walk the room and yeah it's not it's not airborne <clears throat> that way it's yeah. it's water droplets but <clears throat> it's like i don't know i just I'm, I'm envisioning my sister walking into this infected room with a bandana on her face and yeah. i just I, I felt like we were like we were just throwing our most essential people to the wolves you know figure it out figure it out you do something to protect yourself because we just can't help you we can't help you and that just devastated me and I got so angry I've never been that angry in my life because I'm just it's my sister you know and I mean it's other people's sisters it's it's people's wives it's people's mothers like my mother I mean someone's mom is gonna go to work catch it and die that's going to happen to somebody. And I mean, I just, I can't fathom that. I can't fathom just losing a parent to something like this. And, and it's because they were helping people. It's like, I, it just, it broke my heart. And that my sister told me about that. You left in that action. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't sleep that night. So I laid in bed and I tossed and turned and, um, I, I uh, am a very much an amateur sewer. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you, sewist. <laughs> yes, an amateur sewist. 
uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, but it's mostly because I like the feeling of accomplishment that I get from watching someone else do something. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I understand things. I understand how a machine works and I know what French seams are and I know, you know, uh, how to turn a corner and just, you know, basic things like that. And Mm -hmm. so I knew that I could make something that would help. And at this point, they're talking about N95s running out. They're talking about the shortage of just surgical masks, um, everything. Everything was up in the air. Are they going to have enough? And the answer was unequivocally, no, <laughs> they are not going to have enough. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the reserve that the U.S. federal government had was not enough to cover what we were going to see and you know we watched that run out pretty quickly mm-hmm. watch the respirators that they have just not work and just all kinds of things like that and seeing all that fall apart in the days after the cdc makes this recommendation but at the time i was so mad that you know we've known about this for so long and no one's left into action because it was like we all believed that it couldn't hit us And I was guilty of that. I'm not going to point fingers at political people and say, you know, they're idiots because they had better information than me or do anything like that. Because honestly, we were all just very sure that it wasn't coming here, that we were going to get through it and it was going to stay, you know, in Europe, in China, wherever it was at that time. It's not coming here. Yeah. And, And I was just so mad that you know, 3M or whoever it was, wasn't ramping up production. They weren't creating these things. They weren't dropping everything to make enough. And I realized, you know, the day after I, I started this journey that they were, (laughs) I didn't know that yet, (laughs) but I was so angry. I was so mad to think that the CDC would make this, this recommendation and put my sister's life in danger and put everyone's lives in danger. The people that we need the most and just, essentially say, you know, you're, you're shit out of luck, just figure yeah. it out. And, and I, I, I just thought I can do better than that. I can do better than that. I, they, they deserve better than that because I'm not going to be sticking a tongue depressor down somebody's throat and having them cough in my face with a bandana on my face. I'm yep. not, I'm not going to let anybody be in that situation. I refuse to allow that to happen. And so before anything, before I saw anything, I looked up on Pinterest, how to make a face mask because I knew um, in Asian countries, a lot of the time they'll wear them. It's just like a, just a general trend there because a lot of times uh, viruses will break out and that's just one of the things culturally that they do to make sure that they stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that there had to be a cloth pattern for this because I'd seen them. I'd seen them at Disney world. I'd seen them other places. It's just something that, you know, you see. Yeah. So I went online and I looked it up. And it took me a while. I had to dig for it at this point. You know, this is very early on, like March 12th, I think, March 11th. Yeah. Uh, so I I start looking for it and I had to dig around and I finally found a free pattern because there were a lot of patterns that you could buy. Oh. Free ones. So I found a free pattern and I printed it out and I started cutting and I sewed and they made some recommendations. I found a YouTube video about recommendations uh, later on. But first I found heavy heavy cotton fabric and light cotton fabric were the best combination. So I had an old pair of jeans 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I cut them up. <laughs> and I had a baby blanket, like a um, a muslin baby blanket that's soft cotton that I thought would be soft on the face. Yeah. So I cut that up. And, you know, these were not, I didn't have yards and yards of fabric in my basement or anything. No stash like that because I'm really not not that much of a sewist. <laughs> I'm a casual, I'm a moonlighting sewist. <laughs> so I took what I had and I, I just cut it apart and I was like, well, this will work. And I knew I had some elastic and I knew if I couldn't uh, find elastic for the, the ear holders, I could um, cut it out of uh, uh, fitted sheets. Um, Cause you know, when you get a sheet set, you can, yeah. have the elastic around the edge so I thought well if I if all else fails if I don't have any in my stash I can find some you know I can salvage it mm-hmm. so that's that's the the mode I'm thinking I'm thinking you know what is the best filter fabric and what do I have on hand and what can I cut apart and what can I suggest to people to use and um and I just launched into it and then I made one mask and I took a picture of it and I actually took a picture of myself whipping off the screen <laughs> but I didn't post that one on social media but I was so mad I was so angry <laughs> so I took a picture of myself like that and you know scrunched eyebrows and finally the one I settled on to post to Instagram I just had like a like an eyebrow raise you know yeah. like what's wrong with you uh, mm-hmm. I just and so I posted hey 3m if you won't make them we will and I, you know, like I'm wearing the mask that I made out of jeans on my face. And it's very obvious that this is homemade. I wanted it to look almost as homemade as possible. You know, yeah. like this is something that I pulled out of my closet. That I made. I really did. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I wanted it to seem like. Who's protecting them? Because if they won't, we will. We're going to protect. We're going to protect our nurses. We're going to make sure that our doctors and our nurses and our, our medical staff are safe in this because we need them. And we, we need to throw ourselves in any way we can into the fray and, and take as much stress and as much fear away from them as we can so they can focus on what they have to do. Because honestly, the reports that you hear from New York and from Italy and places where it's really hard hit, New Jersey and it, it's scary. It's very scary what they see and what they have to deal with and the amount of death that they see. And just, they're going to be emotionally scarred. Like this is, this is PTSD worthy. Um, I guarantee medical workers who were on front lines in, in hospitals that were affected, they've, there's going to have to be some sort of uh, support after this. It's like a war. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, we have to do something to take care of them after the fact. And that's already where my mind was at that time. Like, crap, like the amount of therapy these people are going to need. And I like, you know, I'm just thinking. And then there's so many people on social media who say things like, well, didn't you think about that whenever you became a nurse? No. Like, jerk, no. I did not. (laughs) Didn't think. Nobody thought of a global pandemic, Karen. No. (laughs) Like, did you think of. I don't know, a plane crash whenever you became a nurse. No, you don't think about calamities and travesties and horrible, you know, things that can go wrong whenever you become, like, you don't think about horrible things whenever you go into a career path. (laughs) It's not what you think of. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like their attitude toward nurses and doctors is similar to that of, uh, um, soldiers, 
you know it's like that attitude of well you signed up for this and soldiers honestly they did and they they knew what they were getting into and it's beaten into their heads from boot camp on that this is what you're looking at buddy like stare down the barrel of this gun because you're going to be looking down it soon enough yeah and that's just the attitude of of the military but that's not what nursing school's like no you're not prepared (laughs) for war no yeah and it's just so frustrating that that's people's attitude and it's like you know what i don't know i i have no time for that that mentality and all i want to do is make sure that these people are safe and that and and really what the movement has turned into at this point is making fabric masks for people who aren't on the front lines to save the disposable masks for people who are. And I'm so on board with that because it keeps them safer. And I hope that it never gets to the point where they need fabric masks. But honestly, by the time it does, we're lucky enough in our area where I have enough experience now that I can make them very high quality ones. And that's just a huge blessing because some of the first ones that I turned out, <laughs> we're pretty janky, you know. I, mean, I was learning, I was figuring it out as I went, and so was everyone else, you know. Uh, people who yeah. don't sew professionally, they've got a dusty machine in their basement and a pair of jeans, like they're, <laughs> they're working on it. But, um, I don't know, just the response in social media when I did that, it was like everybody was everybody wanted to do something. Everybody yeah. saw those recommendations and they saw the seriousness of it. And that's when it really got scary. Those, those couple days there, uh, when it really started to feel real and we understood what it was, everybody wanted to do something and nobody knew what to do. And I knew, like, I, I knew what to do. I knew what I could do. I knew what, what would be asked of me. And I actually, I, I, uh, I called my mom and I was like, mom, am I being dramatic? making these masks like is this silly am i am i wasting my time and she's like i mean you might be but so you waste a couple hours figuring it out you know do it anyway and so we did and and then it's like all of these comments all these direct messages have poured in can you send me some um i have i have a a mother who has breast cancer and she has to go to chemo and i need a mask for her so i made the highest quality mask i possibly could (laughs) (laughs) They're just, you know, a bunch of different people who needed them. And um, it just, I feel like I'm doing something and it's giving me this sense of, uh, I feel like I'm not scared because I can help. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It's like, I know things are just as scary as they were. And my sewing machine is not going to pr- protect me from the coronavirus. <laughs> but... <laughs> it's like I don't know it feels like a shield it's an emotional shield because I feel like I'm contributing I'm doing something to keep other people safe I'm necessary and you know I'm not just cowering in fear I'm I'm helping and that feels good it just feels very good and people responding to it they were so encouraging and um People are like, oh, I wish I could sew. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> Get on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> YouTube has tutorials. Well, they really did, actually. So so I did that. I made the mask. And then that day, um, I posted it at like 5 in the morning. And I just I couldn't sleep. So I stayed up late. And I, I found all the materials. And I made it. 
I made it at like 4 a.m. and I finished it at 5 and I posted it to social media. I think at like 6 in the morning before that, actually. Yeah, before Mm -hmm. 6. So obviously this was something that was on my mind that day. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. Yeah. So I called my grandma and I was like, grandma, can I press you into service? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. What do you need from me? <laughs> so I told her about what I wanted to do and she just jumped right in. She's like, yeah, I can do that. I can absolutely do that. And, you know, she started naming all the nurses and all the medical professionals that we have in our family. And I didn't realize how many there were. There were, I think, six, six of them that were actually like in hospitals. And uh, that's a lot that, <laughs> you think yeah. about it. for our yeah. just just our our main family, like not even extended family, just my cousins. Mm-hmm. And um, and so she was like, I need to make at least enough for each of them. That's going to be my goal. You focus on your sister and your mom. And um, if anybody else needs one, do those. But I'm going to to work on the ones for the the other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so she sort of covered my cousins and it was just so nice to have a reason to call her every day because that's, you know, one of the evils of this whole, uh, isolation thing. It's she's on her own, so she has no one to talk to. And so I would call her and I'd pick her brain. Like, why is my thread slipping out of my needle every time I start a seam grandma? What's going on? (laughs) She's like, you got to get your uptake to the top girl. I'm like, okay. And just, you know, like little things, uh, just all kinds of like bobbin issues. Everybody has bobbin issues whenever they're sewing. And it's just like all of these little technical difficulties. It brought me closer to her and we talk all the time. It's wonderful. And like, you know, we start talking about sewing and then she'll like, you know, go off and talk about life and then we'll have a nice chat. And it's just, I feel like I've reconnected with her through this. And that's another really positive thing that's come out of this for me. And it's just, uh, it's nice to have the ability to connect with someone over something that you feel so good about doing. And, you know, I talked about, or we, we both have talked about if you'd hate your job and you don't want to go back to it, maybe you should reconsider. I really think when I do go back into the workforce, because right now, you know, I'm doing the kid thing, but that's mm-hmm. not going to last forever. When I do re-enter the workforce, I'm going to do something that makes me feel this good. Yeah. It's not going to settle until I find it because it's very important to me. I want, I want to feel fulfilled at the end of my day instead of just feeling like happy to be home. I don't want that. That's yeah. not what I'm looking for in my next career move. You know, um, I just, I think this has taught me what it feels like to be working on something that brings you happiness and it's made me happier. And I don't know. I, I just, and people are so grateful to get these masks. It's like, it's like a high whenever you deliver them, they'll post pictures on Facebook or Instagram and be like, Hey, you know, Shaylee sent me a mask and they're wearing it. And I'm like, like, it makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> because I see people wearing something that I, I made that I, I made for them and they're so grateful to have it. It's like, yeah. I, I, it'll never get better than that. It'll never be better than that. My sister sent me a picture of, uh, herself and her two daughters wearing masks another sister not the nurse but uh a different sister she she sent me a picture of herself and her two daughters and they were all three wearing masks and I made them and it's 
it's the coolest thing because they all match and so yeah. all three of them are together <laughs> it's so cute that and i'm like boring. i i just like i mean my heart soars when i see that because i'm keeping them safe you know and mm-hmm. i made i made her husband my brother-in-law i made him masks because he's uh He's working in a hospital. He's not a, a medical worker, but he's working inside of a hospital mm-hmm. uh, for construction reasons. And um, I made him ones that uh, they have like a an air filtering fabric in them. Um, and that was really interesting to figure out. But uh, it's just it's like the ingenuity of people has been amazing watching the the crafter community come together and find solutions to things. Cause elastic sold out like immediately. And so they started to figure out uh, ways to make strings quickly, you know, cause you don't think about how long it takes to run a seam that long to make a, a piece of like uh, they call it bias tape, mm-hmm. a piece of string that, you know, will stretch the whole way around your head twice. Um, that takes that that adds about 15 minutes to every mask that you make so that's that's a big time waster so they're coming up with things like use shoelaces and you can uh you can use gross gross grain ribbon and uh or gross grain i'm not sure how to pronounce that correctly yeah i know what you're yeah i know what yeah you're... um and they'll they'll come up with solutions for each other and it's like it the collective feeling is so wonderful and there was uh my my grandma watches a quilting channel on youtube hashtag YouTube and <laughs> she follows a YouTube channel that quilts and they they came up with the most elegant solutions to things um these women I can't remember their names and it's gonna drive me nuts oh they were wonderful and they worked with one of them was a retired nurse and she was so wonderful because she's like this is what I would make for myself this is what I would want on my face. So oh, wow. this is what I'm putting together. This is, and these are the materials you can use. And when she realized that materials were running out, like, you know, uh, they suggest using interfacing, but that started to sell out. And then they suggest using elastic, obviously that sold out. And so they came up with a bunch of different solutions and they just kept releasing videos with different things they could try. And I mean, wow. I've, I've watched videos on vacuum bags, how to make a, a duckbill mask out of a vacuum bag. There's, uh, I've been using AC filters because there are filters that filter out viruses, mm-hmm. uh, plastic material. Basically, you're looking for a non-woven material so that the virus can't get through it. They came up with so many options because they knew that people were just going to be scratching through stores and scrambling to find things on Amazon and, you know, doing their best. And it's just wonderful that they kept going with it. They didn't just post a video and forget about it. Yeah. Like they realized they, they heard from the community like, hey, we ran out of this. Do you have an alternative? And they kept updating it. And that's so cool that, you know, they stuck with it like that. And they're still sticking with it. They're still doing the best that they can. And it's like, I've never, I've, I will never have the opportunity to be a part of a movement like this again in my lifetime. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to be doing it. And it, it makes me so passionate to talk about it because and like I get worked up. I can't even, you know, have a, co- a coherent thought about it. <laughs> so emotional about it. Yeah. Cause I think about, you know, just that first guideline, how angry I was. I was so mad and you know me, I'm a pretty even tempered person. I don't get angry like that very it, often. It takes a lot. For it does. Care. And I just, I couldn't even sleep. I was saying the F word while I was sewing. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. I just, it just made me mad and 
I I did something about it. Joanne Fabrics, I need to do a plug for them because, oh my goodness, they've been wonderful. Um, they actually started creating kits. So they would cut out the fabric for you and the elastic, and then they would just send it with you so that you could sew it on your way and then drop them back off. And some of the stores had places that needed donations like hospitals, and some mm-hmm. of the stores didn't. So they would say, you know, keep them and give them to people who need them. And yeah. it just like, they were on the ground immediately, like two days after I sewed my first mask and I got my grandma involved, they were, they were issuing things and and talking about things and people kept sending it to me. I think I have like eight messages from people sending me like, did you see Joanne Fabrics? Yep. And they, they posted uh, tutorial videos uh, right off the bat. The first thing they did and, um, they issued free patterns. They found free patterns and then they, they posted them on their website. And then they even made like a, a section on their app that says mask making supplies. And it has everything that you would want to buy for masks. And sometimes wow. it's sold out. Sometimes it's not. It just depends on when they're getting elastic or when they're getting interfacing. And it's just, I mean, they've done everything they possibly could to make this as easy for you as you could possibly make it and everybody has a joann's within 30 minutes you know (laughs) well very common yeah yes yeah and it's just it's i mean it's the the sewer store it's Mm -hmm. just where you go and it's just wonderful to see companies like that doing their best i traced them onto like cereal box cardboard so it's that thinner cardboard oh yeah yeah and i wrote on them i wrote my name i wrote the date i wrote the different materials we were using and I wrote that it was a face mask, obviously. And I did all of that intentionally because I want that to be something that my kids keep and show to their kids. Like, look what your grandma did. You know, yeah. like, look what she did. She helped. She did. She, she, it's like, it's one of the things that I think I'm going to be proudest of. My sister gets extremely emotional when she talks to me about it because she's like, I just, I'm so grateful that people like you exist and that, you know, that this community of crafters has this attitude of, we'll make it do we'll figure it out we'll we'll find resources we'll we'll scratch through the earth <laughs> figure it out we'll cut sheets apart if we have to <laughs> it's just it's such a cool experience to be part of that and and to to feel like i'm contributing i don't know that's beautiful Shaley. yeah i'm i'm very proud of it i'm i hope that my like for posterity's sake, I hope that those patterns survive and I hope that one of my masks survives and I hope that people see that and remember that, that that was our attitude, that that was our collective global response is we'll protect you, we'll band together, we'll figure this out, it'll be okay. And that's so important to me that that's what we all take out of this. Like this is something that we're all going through. It's an equalizer and we are all human and we all need help and we all can do things to help. So Shaylee, I'm going to extend for anyone listening that if they have any questions, concerns, if they're in need of patterns, uh, if you know, they're a new sewist and they (laughs) would like some tips and tricks, I'm going to encourage them to use the uh, podcast email. That's speakeasilyinfo at gmail.com. Uh, send any questions, anything like that in. I will promptly get them forwarded over to you, and uh, we can go from there. And uh, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Well, I'm new, too, 
So if you have a crazy <laughs> question, I'll ask my grandma. <laughs> but we'll Can't get better than together. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shaylee, I cannot thank you enough for being willing to do this with me this evening. I know I took a lot, a lot of your time. Um, but I think we covered a lot of good ground and I just, I appreciate, you know, what you're doing and who you are as a person. And I'm proud that you are my uh, sister-in-law. Oh, thank you. It's it's nice to have a platform to talk on, you know, and to, to be able to actually get the news out there and hopefully inspire other people to, you know, dust off their sewing machines and get involved and, you know, maybe encourage people who are having trouble (laughs) and just, uh, I don't know, give us all a good feeling. Like we're, we're together. We're together apart. Together (laughs) apart. Together apart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was fun. And, uh, I don't know, cathartic. (laughs) I was was just going to say a little bit, uh, a little bit cathartic for me. Yeah. Well, you're welcome back anytime. I'm sure there will be plenty of more things to discuss. Um, but give those kids a kiss for me. And I don't know, like punch your husband for me. And, <laughs> and I love you. And I cannot wait to see you guys in person. <laughs> well, cheers. And thanks for sharing a drink with me. <laughs> <laughs> You've done my tagline against me. <laughs> love you, Shay. I love you, too. Bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today's show. I want to thank you again for tuning into my very first podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Shay a little bit better. I'm sure now it's clear why she's such an important person in my life. And I have a feeling that this is not the last time that she will be on this podcast. Real quick, if you're using the Anchor app, please go ahead and send me a voice memo. It's the interactive feature that allows me to get direct feedback from listeners You can tell me what you thought of the show, any questions you might have, or suggestions for future shows. The voice memo feature is pretty cool because I can actually use the audio you send me in episodes down the road, with permission of course. Tune in next time where I will regale you with the story of how I fist fought a kangaroo and managed to not spill a single drop of my Paps Blue Ribbon. Take care guys, next round's on me.